0: I would like to welcome you all very warmly to this retreat here at Gaia House. My name is Yanai and this is Leela and we're very happy to be here with you for this for this week retreat that we have together. And we'd like to take some time in this next little while to speak about some of what the Kind of orientation and the framework for the retreat will be, and give you some sense of the foundations of what we'll be engaging in. Particularly if you're here for the first time, doing a retreat like this, hopefully we'll kind of answer any questions you might have had about what and how the the retreat works. Just want to check to begin with: Can you hear all right at the back? Is the volume good? Yeah, clear. If at any time now or At any other point you need us to speak up or some more volume, please let us know. So it's kind of interesting and both uh, curious but lovely for me coming, finding myself here in a room with looks like 50 or 60 people who've chosen to spend a week on retreat in silence, each of you for perhaps different reasons. Some of you coming into a situation like this for the very first time and uh, particularly warm welcome to you. And some of you coming back having done this sort of thing before and uh, equally warm welcome to you. It's like for me something very very beautiful, very precious that uh, so many things you could have chosen to do with the next week and you've chosen to come and be here. And what what does it mean to choose to come and be on retreat, to come into a situation like this? It can be different for each of us, of course. And yet, certainly for myself, when I first encountered this kind of an opportunity, this kind of situation, it was something that immediately spoke to me. And this was sort of 20-something years ago when I was traveling in Asia and someone told me I should go to a meditation retreat and I didn't actually have any idea what a meditation retreat was or whether I should or shouldn't go to one but it sounded vaguely challenging and a little scary so I thought that's a good reason I'll go and see what that's like and uh there's something in that sense of willingness to explore whether for the first time or whether as part of an ongoing exploration in life to to take some time to step out of the busyness and the rush of things and allow oneself to settle more fully, more deeply, more intimately into the truth of one's life, the truth of our lives, our hearts, to get to know what it means to be a human being in this world. To understand perhaps a little more deeply, more fully, the nature of this world and the nature of ourselves, this being, as I said, that we call a human being, to get to know what that's about in a different way perhaps than we might have previously to deepen the understanding we may have come to already in our lives, and so you could have gone on holiday to somewhere warm and sunny, and maybe it'll be warm and sunny here but. It's not that a retreat is necessarily a holiday. Uh, there can be elements of it like that. You don't have to work. not going to have to sort of worry ourselves with too many sort of performance-oriented objectives. We'll talk a bit more about how that works. But what is it to come and choose to spend a period of time like this? In one sense, it might look strange, unusual, weird some of you may be even questioning a little bit having arrived here and there's a certain moment when it gets quiet and everyone's at sitting in straight lines and there's this you know kind of kind of funny atmosphere you suddenly wonder what am I doing here you know what's this about and it's a good question actually to be asking you know what are we doing here not just on a retreat but with our lives what are we doing here because it's easy to live one's life kind of driven by the pressures of needing to take care of body and look after you know, our practical needs, take care of our responsibilities, family, work, social commitments, other engagements. And in all of that, not quite find enough time to, to really know for ourselves what's most important, to understand in ourselves what's most true, most real, most authentic. And the situation here is really an opportunity and an invitation for that to come closer, to enter more consciously and more deeply into our lives and to see what we might discover in this, some of which may be rich, delightful, sweet and delicious, some of which may be challenging or unsettling or scary even, some of which might be kind of boring and uninteresting and not particularly, you know, what we came here for. And yet we can't know in advance what it will be. But what we can know is that there's something in us, and I'm very confident in this in the conversations I've had with hundreds and I guess thousands of people over the years about this, that there's something about what it means to be what we are, to be what we call a human being, that's interested, to to know, to understand, to awaken our capacity for for profound and open-hearted love, for a real sensitivity to each other and ourselves, and for an understanding of life that allows us to live in harmony with, rather than in conflict with the way life unfolds. And that this interest that we have, that we share, isn't something that's just sort of turned up recently for the you know the, the latter generation or two of human beings. But it's something that people such as ourselves have been interested in throughout the ages of history. In all parts of the world, women and men have done what we'll be doing here in this very form and in other forms too as a way of turning towards Our lives and what it is that we most love, we could say. What it is that we most value or treasure. Please come in. And so there's a way in which we step into a stream here. A current, we could say, of support for and from each other. Not just this group here. And we'll really, in being together, recognise over the days how much support we give to each other. Even just seeing it, you might want to take a moment and look around. You know, One of the interesting things is, we at the front, we get to see you all the time, but mostly you don't get to see too many of each other. At least maybe not yet. And just see. You don't have to look around. But if you feel inclined, just seeing a bit of sense. Look at these kind of curious creatures. as as we are, human beings. Kind of sweet and sometimes a little confused. (laughs) Mostly really wanting to be happy. Not really wanting to suffer. Mostly wanting other people also to be safe and well too. And yet not necessarily knowing what most supports and brings that. So, what we'll be engaging in here on this um, retreat and in the practices of the meditation and the, the being here with the different elements of the retreat that we'll speak about. <laughs> we'll be drawing very much on two primary themes, but not just the, but i just like to name, and the first primary theme or sort of foundation for what we'll be doing is the teachings that came and come to us from the tradition of of Buddha Dharma, the teachings of the Buddha who was a human being like ourselves who lived on this earth two and a half thousand years ago and who had the same kinds of questions as perhaps we have, the same interest in understanding what's really important and what might be possible for us as human beings and in his profound exploration and search and discoveries that he came to a remarkable understanding a peace and a freedom and a compassion that he he shared and he spoke and taught about for for 45 years and those teachings and practices have been shared and explored by men and women in their lives through the generations, one to the next, handed down, shared and passed on in a way that they then come to be available, to be explored by us. And so the teachings and the practices are drawn from, to a significant degree, the teachings of the Buddha. That doesn't mean we have to sign up for any particular religious organisation or designate ourselves a Buddhist or not a Buddhist or anything like that. But to see is this something relevant, is this something useful for my life? Because while that's one stream of what's here, another stream from which these teachings and practices come isn't based on something two and a half thousand years ago that comes from the words of a guy who's been dead for a long time, which is another way we could look at the Buddhist tradition. You know, this guy's been dead a long time. And I don't say that with any disrespect. Because what makes it alive and what, for myself, when I first encountered it, I think enabled me to engage and really enjoy and appreciate it and not (laughs) run away sort of going, no, 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 um, was the fact that it's informed by human experience. It's, It's actually something that is evolving and growing based on the input of people who have explored it Understood for themselves what's meaningful, what's real, what's useful, and equally recognize at times those elements that might not be so useful. And that's what allows something to grow, to stay alive, and to stay relevant. And so for me, what we're interested in here is not just exploring some old tradition, but actually exploring the living teachings of our life that are presented to us right here. That we don't need any special equipment for understanding or any sort of learned scholars to explain to us. Because we all have the capacity and the raw material for this journey of awakening, this process of more and more fully embodying the potentiality of our human lives, our human hearts and minds. So in the in the teaching and the, the practices we will engage in, the the sense of the the looking at actually how does it work for us? What works? What's useful? Will always be a question that we come back to. Rather than this is how it must be or how it should be or what's the best way or the right way or the only way. We hear that language in spiritual teachings and religious institutions quite often perhaps. And personally I don't find it that interesting or useful. It doesn't really matter how many ways there are. What matters matters or whether this is the only or the best way, what matters is, does this make a difference in my life? And if it's not the only thing that makes a difference, that's not a problem. Other things might make a difference in my life as well. But if this makes a difference in my life, then I want to include it. I want it to be part of my life. And so I feel very... really fortunate and privileged, actually, to have the opportunity here and as I do... um, In my life, to to share and to explore together with people such as yourselves, what's possible here for us. In that, what I'd like to just touch on a little now is one of the foundations of what allows us to do this in a way that's really helpful. For me, the whole of both Buddhist teaching but also spiritual practice in that very immediate and organic sense of what comes out of our lives, for me, it's all founded on the fact and the truth and reality that we care. As human beings, we care. It's fundamental and unarguable to my mind. You can argue if you like, I don't mind, but from where I'm sitting, it feels unarguable that we care. I don't see why anyone would come and do what you're doing here if you didn't care. It just wouldn't lead to deciding to go on a retreat. It really wouldn't. We care deeply about life. None of us want to suffer. And yet, in life, there are those things that are difficult. And in living together as a community of human beings and of living creatures, what we often find is a lot of suffering arises through the actions and behaviors of others in our community and from ourselves at times also. And so as a as a foundation for <clears throat> spiritual practice and for this retreat one of the the most useful and powerful things we can do is align our intentionality with that basic caring that basic wish for our own happiness and well-being and an acknowledgement that this is something we share with everyone. And what the implication of that and the simple implication of that is to really do so much as we're able, so far as we're able, to, to refrain from causing harm to others or ourselves. Refrain from hurting or bringing about suffering in others or ourselves. Which is something kind of so obvious in a way that we mostly wouldn't need to say it, except it's not always what happens. There are sometimes powerful forces within us and certainly around us in the world that we can see lead to a lot of suffering. And one of the things that makes a difference is just seeing we have the capacity in ourselves to make the choice, to say, actually, I don't wish to consciously give support to this. And the way that we express this as a foundation for the retreat, and and for some here, I'm sure, as a foundation for our lives, is in the tradition what's described as the five ethical guidelines or precepts, which are kind of orientations, and we could say also rules of training or practices that allow us to look and see where we can, so far as we're able, refrain from causing harm to others, to ourselves. And the first is to refrain from taking life of any living creature, even those that might be small, apparently insignificant, and possibly irritating. And we've all probably encountered plenty of those in our lives. To know that even the smallest creatures, their life is precious to them. And if they feel threatened, watch how they behave. They run as fast as we would run if we felt in danger. And so that sense of just extending compassionate care and consideration to all creatures, just as we ourselves would wish to be cared for. Not taking life or causing harm to anyone else, so far as we're able to. Refraining also from taking things that don't belong to us and aren't offered to us freely because we all know how painful it can be when the things that we own or have the use of disappear or get misused or damaged. And something about respecting material things. Very helpful, very supportive. Just to know that, okay, our things are going to be safe here. We don't have locks on the doors. And it's interesting what it's like to just live with a sense of trusting that our and everyone else's intention here is to respect each other's property. The third guideline is to refrain from harmful expressions of sexuality. Which in the context of a retreat means to actually refrain from intentional sexual behavior. It's not to say anything in at all give the message that sexuality is somehow unspiritual or not okay, but in the context of the retreat and being in the in the way of silence and solitude and meditation. It's really useful to gather one's focus and really hold it more centrally within one's own experience and not to be looking outward for sort of entertainment, stimulation, gratification in that way. And so we just hold that energy, gather that. And what it means is we can all be here together as human beings rather than kind of in that way of looking for, you know, am I interesting? Am I interested? Am I not interested? Am I not interesting to others in that way? Just letting all that be really given a break for now. And, of course, you know, we're all in silence and there's really not much chance for sort of getting something going anyway. So it's kind of easier just to give the whole thing up for a week and, uh, you know, we can pick it back up when we go (laughs) out of here. And for those who wish to, of course, it can be lovely and wonderful. The fourth precept is to refrain from causing harm through expressions of speech that are untrue, unskillful. And particularly in that... Just we're going to be in silence we'll say a little more about that in a moment, but just the sense of respectful being respectful of the power of words, both in what we might speak about or say if there are situations and there will be where we may need to speak in uh, interviews or practical things, but also in the way we use the language inside our own minds and the thoughts and the way we relate to ourselves to see what is it to speak from a place of kindness and to To be aware of how often we think we know what's true, when in fact it's not so certain. To give a little bit more space to the unknownness, the uncertainties, the mystery of things. But essentially, in terms of that precept, to really support the silence. And the fifth precept is to refrain from the use of alcohol, drugs, and intoxicants that uh, we might, in other circumstances, use for sort of you know recreational purposes. That for here, really respecting consciousness, this remarkable capacity we have to know, to be awake, to be present. And we'll be really supporting and cultivating that. And so respecting it by not using substances we might take in to adjust, to manipulate or to sort of try and produce particular experiences for ourselves. And for many of us this was Probably an obvious, maybe quite a straightforward and easy thing. And it's not unusual that for some personal persons this is a really major challenge in their life. To deal skillfully with substances. And it can be an incredible support for all of us to know that actually everyone together has this intention, this undertaking. And that doesn't mean of course that if you're using medicine for any um support for your well being of body or mind please, of course, continue to use that medicine. That's a very different thing and not what we're speaking about in terms of this precept. But with the taking of the precepts, with that sense of orienting towards not causing harm, it doesn't mean that we'll be perfect. It's not like somehow we've got to somehow be really sort of walking on eggshells to make sure we don't do anything wrong. It's not that kind of thing at all. I hope you have a sense of that. But more like aligning with that sense of caring for the well-wishing of each other and ourselves and letting that inform our actions so that we can actually relax in each other's presence. We can start to allow ourselves to soften, to to know that this is a place where our trust will be honoured and where we can allow ourselves to really open up There's a certain vulnerability sometimes in allowing ourselves to be open, to be touched deeply by our lives and by the world around us and our companions. And it's something we can do here. And that undertaking that shared commitment. And we ask everyone here on the retreat and everyone who's here at Guy House and other capacities also to to really commit to and support these precepts. And they're a real foundation for everything else we do here. So I'll pass over at this point, to Leela.
1: Oh, we're color coordinated today. (laughs) So we've all come from different places today. Uh, Some of us quite far. I came from Italy via Germany this morning. You know, there are some Swedish people here, and... uh, So we've traveled distances, and for most of us, coming here means quite a lot of preparation. Arranging things with work, with family, practical matters. It's a kind of build-up of energy, right, and taking care of things. And it's actually quite important to be respectful of one's own landing process and arriving here. To really allow yourself to land here. It can be good perhaps in this moment to just sense into what's it like to sit in this room. How do you feel? What's going on? Perhaps you're tired or bright. It doesn't really matter what mood uh, is there for you. Of course we always want to feel good about ourselves and well but for the purpose of this practice it doesn't really matter. We can arrive as we are and it's room for each one of us to be as we are and engage with this exploration from where we are in ourselves according to our life circumstances, according to our heart and minds, to our inner weather. So to take it a bit slow tonight and see what's needed for you to arrive. Sometimes it's helpful just to make a slight turn inside, just to realize this is where I'm sitting, on this particular spot on the earth tonight, in this room. This is where I'm located. It's very simple. But when we begin to relax into our seat or our chair, there is a kind of opening and a kind of relaxing. Relaxing is something that's natural to us, right? But it's also something that can be quite profound. If you've ever been agitated or tense, and things have been tight inside, it's hard to relax, right? When we're caught up in stuff. And this practice is the practice of finding a way of living that's grounded and sustained and open. You know, our good days, when we're feeling bright and clear and open and there is a kind of flow. I don't know if you've ever noticed that you kind of swing a bit, waver. So the good days and not so good days. And sometimes there can be quite extreme shifts. Hmm? You recognize this in your life? Sometimes we're tense, sometimes it's hard, sometimes we're confused. Over the years for me, although I've had lots of different focuses for this practice, it's come down to something very simple. It's been distilled into something very simple. What is it like to live a real life, an authentic life? an awakened life, a simple human life, a full life, how can that be done in a sustained way, not just on the good days, but really, truly. A human life, including all our challenges that we have, we have outer challenges, but what we can discover here, and it's part of our work, this involves a little bit of work, it's true, is to actually come up against ourselves. And when we do, sometimes what we find is that a lot of our own complications actually happens in our own mind. But there are skillful ways to unpack this. There are skillful ways in which we can relax, little by little. Not relaxing into something else, not in becoming something else, but becoming ourselves. So perhaps tonight you need to do some little things to really arrive. Unpack your things, say hello to your roommate, kind of orienting yourself. I think the managers have explained all the practical things, but just doing what you need to do. And then it's helpful to see, how can I support myself here? How can I simplify because when we simplify things, the important things have a chance to emerge, to arise in our heart and in our minds. Simplifying, for example, can mean to put aside magazines, books, computers, notebooks, to turn off Facebook, Twitter, Twitter mobile phones, certainly, to kind of just clear, clear the space. It's actually really important. We have a way of kind of hooking ourselves into all sort of habits in life that we have. And here, we're inviting simplicity. Simplicity is good for our being. Simplicity helps to bring out real clarity and real connection. So see for yourself how you can simplify things. On our part, and it's a part of a long-standing tradition, there will be a beautifully simple schedule. There will be a wonderful program of simplicity. And... As you're arriving, see if you can just take tonight to land. We're talking a little bit. We'll do a little bit of meditation, not so much. And then we'll have a rest. And we will meet tomorrow morning. But we don't need to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We'll present things to you and there will be instructions and guidelines. So sometimes what we do is that when we embark on a journey like this, whether it's with hesitation or excitement, worry, it's very new, or oh, I hope I get to that same place as I did last time, all these kind of hopes and fears that we have, to just relax a bit there that kind of way where we extend our mind and we try to hold the whole of the retreat, six days, seven days, how many hours of meditation could that possibly be? And so we start to sort of try to hold it all, but actually no one here needs to hold it all. We just need to take one step at a time, but to care well for that step. So the step tonight is to land and arrive and relax as much as we can, but without forcing anything. And then tomorrow, a new day begin, and we will begin our practice. Perhaps the most profound teacher on this retreat as on all retreats, is silence. When we feel well in ourselves, silence can have this exquisite transparent quality that gives space and connection to everything, that invites being, that invites rest, that invites clarity. Of course, most of us, if not all of us in this room, have abundant experiences of difficult kinds of silence. The oppressive one, when the silence is frosty and hard, when nothing is being spoken of, when we feel alone, disconnected, devaluated. That kind of silence is extremely challenging for us. So the silence that we're inviting here is a silence of support. It may be a little bit disorienting at first because the memories of other kinds of silences will perhaps emerge. Give it some time. See how you can ease into the silence here. So as we leave this room tonight, we'll relax into silence. It will mean in a very practical sense that we'll not speak. Well, we'll be speaking a bit, and there'll be some time for small group meetings, and one-to-one meetings, well, we'll speak a little bit. But for the most part of the day, we'll be in silence. Silence helps us to let go of all the things that are unnecessary and to kind of unhook ourselves from the force of our habits. There's nothing wrong in having good habits in life, but so many of our habits are just grooves in the mind that keep us stuck and fixated and actually shuts down our aliveness and our capacity for understanding in fresh and new and real ways. So there is silence between us. And it's actually really helpful to take on that little challenge of not sort of pulling for the attention from somebody else with kind of smiles and sort of getting confirmation and and getting a sense of, yes, you're there. We all have our habits and how we get warmth from one another and have a sense of belonging. For most people, it is a little bit challenging to relax into oneself. And there is an element of aloneness on a retreat, but it's not the aloneness of being abandoned or closed out. To be able to be alone with one's own heart and being can be empowering, sweet, and tremendously deepening. So give it a chance. We are here together for a good reason, and that is the support. But the support we give one another is the silent support of showing up together, just like we've done this evening, coming from different places, traveling across the land and the air and however we've done it. We've arrived here together to give one another support, noble, silent support. It's a very rare occasion where a large group of people gather together in silence. something special can emerge from that silence within us, within each one of us in our hearts and minds. A good friend of silence is slowing down. So simplifying Relaxing into the silence. And as the outer silence between us begins to take hold, we may also have taste of inner silence where we actually have more space in ourselves. And so it's also helpful to slow down. Because as we slow down, we step out of our habitual moods. Our habitual reaction, ways to do things. Have you noticed sometimes when you're with other people, and you, one kind of tends to bump into one another. This sort of it can be a little bit uncomfortable being with lots of people. There's no space. I need space. So as we slow down, we can begin to glide a little bit, have a sense of smoothness. In slowing down, we can begin to pay attention. When our life is very busy, we have to take care of the important stuff, right? The most urgent stuff. We have to deal with that. And the rest, we kind of will deal with later. Here, it's a little bit turned upside down. It's the invitation to actually pay attention to everything. Ah, what's it like to walk? let me take lots of time just to breathe. Let me take time to wash my hands, to drink a cup of tea, to have all the time in the world to be with oneself. Perhaps you can sense the promise of that. It's not always easy because we rub up against inner reactivity and resistance, inner tightness. But that's fine. It's part of the work here that we do. The work of being authentic. So slowing down and paying attention. I'd like to speak a little bit about meditation. Uh, But before that, do you have any questions? Is there anything that's there for you that you would like clarified? Yes. Yes, Yes. so you you keep your place. Mm -hmm. However, if for some reason you're not really comfortable where where you are, uh, sometimes if you have a problem with hearing and you sit too far away, uh, it's not so helpful. So there are some spaces here in the front uh, where you can come and sit. So with consideration to the other people, it's okay to change your place, uh, but not to take somebody else's seat.
0: Yeah? Okay. And actually, maybe i just add to that that if, and sometimes people want to move a little bit from a place on sitting on the floor to a chair and back, to just kind of keep one place that's your place in a way that you're mainly using. And if you want to use a chair now and then, use it, but then take your things off it and... Um, go back to the floor. Or if you're mostly on the chair, if you use a place on the floor, take your things off it when you're not using it so it's available for someone else because there's quite a few of us and not so many spare spaces. Yeah, Thank you.
1: Yes. Ah, uh, it's this one. Yeah, Shall I say? You
0: can. So, with that particular period of meditation, it's fine for you to come in when you've finished. We'll begin with a. This is after supper or tea time, and um, we'll begin with a period of standing meditation and then sitting and it'll be fine to just come in when you're done. Sometimes the groups, it depends how things go, sometimes it's possible to get it done in time, sometimes not. But you'll be welcome just to come and join.
1: Any other questions? There for you. been sitting for quite a while, so perhaps if uh, you want to just take a few moments without leaving uh, the hall, if you want to stretch a bit, stand up and, and get a little bit of energy in your body, and then please feel free to do so and then we'll start our meditation practice this evening. So at this time, since we're here together in the hall, we'll be practicing sitting meditation. One of these things human beings do, we sit sometime. And so we can sit and we can connect and be with ourselves and pay attention. Now, whether you sit on a chair, if you're kneeling or sitting cross-legged, it's of little significance. What matters is that it's a position that you like. And one where you can sit reasonably straight. When we sit straight without being rigid, it helps to support a sense of wakefulness. That's all. We'll speak more tomorrow about postures. Let's see if you can sit with a sense of alignment, uh, spine and neck, and a way. Find a way for the arms and hands to be comfortable. So, meditation practice is not about efforting. It's more like we do a simple turn within, all that focus outside while traveling, taking care of things, and now it's the time to turn within. You can have the eyes closed, or if you wish, slightly open without looking around, a kind of soft focus. Case. If one takes a bath, one is a little bit cold. A warm bath, or if you take a cool bath in a lake or a pond when you're warm, what happens then? Ah, a kind of relaxing into the body. When we step into warm water, we can't help but turning our attention to the body. And so in meditation practice, this is the invitation. Turn towards the body. So right now, perhaps, breathing in fully. It's a good way to turn towards the body. Just breathing in. And breathing out. And on that out breath, settling a little bit, landing into the body. Perhaps doing that a few times, breathing in fully, feeling what that's like, and breathing out fully. And then allowing the breath to find its own rhythm and depth, just natural breathing. It's helpful to allow body and mind to soften, just intention to soften, release tensions Sometimes just intention to relax makes a difference, makes us relax. Maybe may be areas of tension, that's fine. So what we're practicing is embodied awareness. It's a kind of dropping down from the intensity of the mind, the mind that can be all over the place. And we're gathering ourselves to just here. Allowing ourselves to land just here. It's like anchoring oneself in the body in this moment, this evening, in this room. So you may find yourself being all over the place thinking, dreaming no problem just turn again turning the attention towards the body see right now where you can feel the breath perhaps somewhere chest, belly, area A kind of movement perhaps, kind of expanding, falling. Keep it very simple. No need to effort, just this turning towards the breath, the breath as a support. For embodied presence. So let's practice a few minutes like this together. Supporting one another by engaging in our own anchoring, in our own relaxing into embodied presence.